San Diego First Church, so good to be with you again. We are with our Connecting Points podcast as a part of the Living Lectionary series. My name is Matt Wilson. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I am here with Pastor D. Kelly. Hi, Matt. This is D. Good to be with you. <laughs> it's good to be here. <laughs> uh, we are connecting this passage um, we got ahead of us, which is Psalm 66, verses 8 through 20. Connecting it to the sermon that you gave on Sunday. And i uh, would love to read this passage in Psalm 66 for us to begin with. This is coming out of the NRSV version. Starting in verse 8. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Who has kept us among the living and has not let our feet slip? For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You you laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, yet you have brought us out to a spacious place. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will pay you my vows. Those that my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble, I will offer to you burnt offerings of fatlings with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Selah. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for me. I cried aloud to him and he was exalted with my tongue. If I, uh, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has given heed to the words of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, Pastor D, tell us a little bit of what connections you see uh, from Psalm 66 to the message you gave on Sunday. Um, I'd love to jump into that. If I could just ask a question that maybe you could help our uh, crowd that joins us. Mm. In Psalm, you read as part of the text the word Selah, which mm. um, in most texts kind of sits off to the side away from the text mm. as if it's separate or apart from. And I know that we don't know much about that, but just no. those who are reading could throw you off pace as to what it's doing there. Any comments as to what the speculation is of, or the Uh, thought is behind what Selah means? Yeah, um, two there, uh, kind of ideas around this word Selah um, that show up in the book of Psalms. This is not the only place. It shows up a lot of different places in the book of Psalms, in in different Psalms. Um, And so there's two kind of thoughts about it. It's a word that doesn't have much meaning, um, in the text, it's kind of um, uh, like a filler word in some ways, um, but really it, it functions in two ways, possibly. Um, the first is to, to recall that this is, uh, Psalms are not just poems or poetry, but a lot of them could have been sung. Mm. And so there's songs. Musical pieces. Musical pieces. Yeah. And this uh, Selah could be a, um, uh, a musical... Uh, interlude or moment of pause um, within the the song itself so that you have 
uh, whatever instruments are playing at the time. This would be the kind of the musical piece, and then it would pick up again. So the drummer could go off on his own riff right now. This is the... this is where the guitar <laughs> solos would be. Great. Um, the other is if it's not understood as a piece of music, but rather as a piece of reflection. Mm. That Sela is uh, is uh, a prompting to the reader to take a moment of silence, mm. to a pause for a moment, hear the words that you were just said or you just read, um, take them in a moment before going on to the next stanza or verse. Which is what you did as you read the passage, which was very nice. Correct. There was a pause right after you did that. Correct. And what a great invitation for us anytime we see that uh, to be reminded that we're not called to rush through Scripture as if it's um, something to be checked off a list. Correct. But to seep into us and to hold over mm -hmm. time. Yes. That's wonderful, Matt. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, so full circle back now to what you said about connecting points between the Peter passage and this Psalm passage. Um, I actually would like to invite you into um, this connection part and yeah. maybe help us in dialogue um, unpack something that I think is really important a uh, way by which these two pieces are connected. Because Peter's writing to a group of individuals who are suffering for a variety of reasons, um, probably suffering politically in their community by... Um, the ways in which the empire affects them mm -hmm. uh, and keeps them from participating in some things yeah. of community life because of who they are. Yeah. Um, here we have in the Psalm passage an interesting notion of God's sovereignty as the opening portion of this section. It's not the opening of the Psalm, but it's the opening mm -hmm. portion of this section. Yeah where the author is ascribing to God that God is testing us, brought us into prison, laid burdens on our back, let men ride over us. Mm -hmm. All of these things are attributed to God. Yeah. It feels to me, I've said this many times, that in our current Western Christian culture, it feels like we are often, particularly I would say maybe within the evangelical tradition, invited into a battle where we need to defeat Satan mm -hmm. because there is this kind of neck and neck battle. We're not sure who's going to win because yeah. Satan and God are just pushing against each other and we've been called to participate in this overcoming, which yeah. I don't disagree with. Mm -hmm. the the need to overcome sin in our lives and to participate in bringing heaven to earth. But the Old Testament view is dramatically different. Mm -hmm. God's sovereign. God's in charge of it all. God is the creator of all. And it doesn't imply that there aren't bad things that happen. In fact, mm -hmm. they are acknowledging the bad things. Yeah. But they're also acknowledging that all of this is under God's hand somehow. I feel like we get to Peter, and it's not quite as pronounced as some of the Old Testament writings. Mm -hmm. um, Peter acknowledges that there is suffering, and it seems that not just Peter, but other New Testament writers 
acknowledge that some of that suffering comes at the hands of other people yeah um, or sometimes attributed to nature and certainly nature subject to God mm. but there is this recognition of um, God's sovereignty but also human participation yeah more so than some of the Old Testament passages sometimes yeah and so I think it calls into question for me deep, profound reflection on what I believe about God's sovereignty. Mm -hmm. And and is my confidence in my own ability to overcome bad things? Yeah. Or am I learning how to trust a sovereign God who can work through all things and bring to pass something good out of things that have occurred? Yeah. Am I am I reading that contrast between testaments and our day appropriately? Um, I would say definitely within these two passages, but I don't think um, the Old Testament is really diverse. I think in this um, okay. in two ways, in multiple ways, um, but there, I would say there's kind of largely speaking two kind of factors in thinking about which uh, Old Testament voice or prophet or psalm or history is telling the story mm. and i think the two frames are um how do they understand individual versus communal mm. and then how do they understand god's sovereignty alongside their participation mm -hmm. and so to your point of like god, uh, this psalms passage seems like god is sovereign and yet, like, we went through it, and God did this to us, right? This is what uh, the, the psalm passage Like, we went through suffering, we went through trials, like, God affected us, and yet we still praise God for God's mercy and love and that kind of stuff. Per, um, uh, God's uh, sovereignty and providing for us, even in the midst of the trial, all that. Um, and then there's the kind of the layer of uh, that individual versus communal. That is, well, this seems to kind of come at a, like a communal God that did this to us. Collectively. Collectively. Yeah. Whereas um, somebody like the prophet Amos, who um, will say something to the effect of like, yes, there is uh, the, the exile that the northern kingdom of Israel is going to go through. Uh, that is because of all of their infidelity to God and God is going to exile and punish them because of all the terrible things they did. So they participated in the circumstances that are brought about. So they do the participation aspect of yep. this. And yet Amos holds like this very small sliver. He calls it the remnant of Jacob. And he only mentions it like once or twice in the book, in the, in the whole prophetic book and says something to the effect of it. And God will preserve them. So there's also like this, um, emphasis on Amos on the leadership on how these leaders have mm. have done this that there are poor and there are righteous who have been trampled and sold and it's those with power and authority that have actually enacted these injustices and that's why we're getting punished is the infidelity is not just like because of we all have sinned but it's oh the, the system that has been set up by these powerful leaders is crushing the poor and that's there's a punishment there for an exile because of this leadership issue. And that's why I say that like you have to add this kind of layer of 
individual and communal mm-hmm. that are, is being um, set aside. And, and I bring up Amos to say like, and then there's Ecclesiastes where it's like, and stuff happens to the righteous and the unrighteous. Bad happens to <laughs> all. Good happens to all. Like there's no rhyme or reason. And so I would say, like, yes, here between Psalm and Peter, there is that seeming like that conflict. They're like, does God do this to us? Or is this the the systems that have been set up by humans that are doing this to us? The Old Testament is a little bit more diverse than yeah, just sure. like we screwed up. So God punishes. Yeah. Yeah. I love the fact that we have to take into account not only who it is that's writing. Yeah but the circumstances that they're confronting when they write. Yeah. And I think that that is certainly true here in um, Psalm 66, though many of the Psalms, we have a difficult time specifically placing them where they might have been in history. Yes. We have a little bit easier time with something like um, First Peter, mm-hmm. given what we know about the history of that area and the time of the Christian church. Yeah. Um, I do, I, I love though coming back to the two pieces that for me become very important in that first Peter reading. And that is that, um, Peter seems to be affirming the circumstances you're in. It's easy for you to forget that the good news is for you. Mm. It's not necessarily readily apparent in the circumstances you're facing, but it should be readily apparent in God dwelling with you yeah. and among you and in you. Yeah. And then the invitation that our response be such that it communicates that the good news is for others as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And I, I love that one of the beautiful pieces of reading the Psalms is that it seems to speak to the expanse of human experience, Mm -hmm. both lament and praise. And many Psalms have both in them and we hold them together. I am lamenting and fill in the blank of what you're lamenting. But also, I want to praise God for fill in that blank. I think it's just raw human... um, experience and emotion that the psalmist lead us to and i think i find that here in 66 yeah absolutely and that's kind of where i'm connecting the two passages Mm -hmm. is the um that there's a both and yeah that in the in the hurt and the suffering and the fear and then the the stress of whatever we're going through whether it be like smaller than roman persecution and (laughs) or if it's uh, uh you know trying to take on systematic issues that um, are dehumanizing and degrading to the people who are loved and cherished by God. Um, in the midst of every suffering, there is a way to find hope and healing and, and joy. And that God, and I think that's, this is what kind of I see the affirmation is we don't understand the, the, all of the kind of behind the scenes aspects of how God intervenes. But what this says is like God waited patiently. Hmm. And I wonder then how we might wait patiently. If God, the creator and sustainer of everything is waiting patiently for 
for things to happen or for us to turn or for us to like embrace God's love and mercy, then we should be waiting patiently as well, even in whatever circumstances we have. Being active, participating, not not a passivity of not doing anything and just waiting as in like I'm waiting in line, <laughs> like scrolling my phone, but waiting and going after what it is to continue to pursue God's kingdom here on earth. Yeah. What a great thought to end on and to reflect on this week. Thanks, Matt. Good to be with you. Thank you.